Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to Freezing Time with me, Sophia Money Coots, created by Offscript. Okay, so it's the second night of the injections. I have stored the little pot of solution in a Tupperware. I've actually just had to leave a friend's barbecue early on the excuse, or using the excuse that I had to go and inject, which is kind of perfect because I'm quite an early to bed person anyway. I think the nurse said before you can alternate the sides of your stomach. So I'm going to do it on my left hand side tonight and then draw down 225. Okay. Oh God. Should I tap it like they do in the films? Okay. Pinch and in. Oh, it won't go in, it won't go in. Come on, go in. There we go. Oh, that was a bit sudden. Okay, and then plunge. Oh, it's stinging a bit. Ow, 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 ow. Okay, that's finished. Oh, that was a bit more painful than last night. Hello. I'm Sophia Money Coots. I'm 35 single and I'm freezing my eggs. In this podcast, I'm taking you through the story of my own egg freezing, as well as talking to experts and women who've gone through the treatment themselves. If you're just joining us now, I'd recommend going back to episode one and listening from there, so you can hear the whole story as it happened. In this episode, the side effects from the hormone injections start to kick in, and I talk to two fertility experts from different sides of the Pacific about how egg freezing works in Asia and America, we also chat fertility tourism and egg freezing parties. But first, in my diary entry from the start of this episode, I took my second daily injection of Menopure, the drug that encourages all my eggs to grow. And while I hadn't had that many side effects from the nasal spray, apart from one afternoon where I walked around the park weeping to myself, the injections were different and the side effects kicked in sooner. I'm actually so tired, I can sort of barely speak. So I don't know if that is, well, it is a side effect because I've literally spent all day Googling menopause side effects because I felt tired and I couldn't really concentrate. Um, So I've been back on the forums, which I think is a terrible idea because really you only go Googling these things if you want confirmation of what you're feeling. So of course there are going to be women saying they were completely knackered. Anyway, so... I'm going to do my injection and then go to bed, I think. And the next day, it got even better. It's the hottest day of the year and I'm doing my fourth injection. My nieces, I can hear, are screaming in the bath outside my bedroom. Making me think I don't actually ever want to have children anyway, but I'm going to persevere with these injections. I felt pretty whacked all of today and also I've had quite strong heart palpitations which oh it's an air bubble right at the bottom of this um my sister says she had when she was pregnant and it's quite common apparently with hormonal changes but it's like my heart thudding in my chest it's 
yeah, it's made me feel quite paranoid all day. And of course I Googled it and I wouldn't totally recommend Googling heart palpitations. Um, it's not very reassuring. Right. One, two, three. Okay, in we go. Come on. Oh, it's not going in. Okay, that wouldn't go in that bit. I guess I'm going to have to try and do a different bit. Come on, Sophia. Oh, there we go. We'll go in that bit. Okay, that's very weird. Right, plunging. Three, four, five. Out it comes again. God, that's very weird. So it wouldn't go into a bit of flesh half a centimetre to the right. In it goes. Oh, I feel a bit um funny again now because of that. Right. Job done. The combination of the heat and the drugs was pretty brutal. And while I seemed to be having a hard time finding a spot for the injections, they were getting less daunting. It actually feels quite hardcore to inject yourself. I'm sure anyone who self-injects for diabetes or another medical condition thinks I'm a real worse for making such a big deal out of it. But it was the thing I'd most freaked out about when starting treatment. I asked my fertility doctor at the Lister, Dr James, why the injections were making me feel like this. Everybody's really variable. Um, the job of those injections is to make as many eggs grow as possible. The more eggs you have, the more estrogen is being churned out. Um, what I often say, I think, I think I'm most of the time right, is that estrogen tends to make women feel pretty good. It's not, you know, it's not the estrogen itself that causes the side effects. You can get some head and headache. You can get some breast tenderness. Okay. Can I take painkillers or anything if I? Absolutely fine. Pre-egg collection. I think that. Okay. Often the worst bit hormonally of an IVF cycle is actually the bit that egg freezing women won't do because after you have an egg collection, if you're having IVF to get pregnant, you have the embryo put mm. back in, you have a horrible two-week wait to find out if you're pregnant. And in that two-week period, we're giving you lots of progesterone hormones to supplement the lining of the womb. And progesterone yeah. is the hormone that makes women premenstrual. So the combination... The misery of, hormone. Yeah, it is. So, so lots of misery hormone yeah. and a pregnancy test and the offing, that's often the worst bit. As I mentioned to the counsellor in episode four, I've been trying hard not to beat myself up for complaining when I feel lucky to be able to afford this in the first place. And Dr James is also right to point out that I'd be even more stressed if I had to take a ton of progesterone to try to get pregnant from this cycle. If this is you, a woman currently undergoing IVF, or who has gone through IVF, I really salute you. And speaking of being lucky, if you've already listened to episode two, You'll remember me chatting to Reem Mahana, one of the first single women to have her eggs frozen in Egypt. Although it was legal for her to do it, she faced a big backlash when she talked about it publicly in a Facebook post that went viral. Elsewhere in the world, egg freezing isn't even legal, or there are extremely complicated laws regulating it. This is all about fertilisation. You can store your eggs, but you cannot fertilise them until you're married. You cannot have fertility treatment of any kind unless you're married. I'd come across Dr Lucy Lord thanks to various friends of mine who live in Hong Kong, some of whom have travelled to freeze their eggs elsewhere in the world because of the strict laws there. Dr Lucy is an obstetrician and gynaecologist who's been practising in the city for just over 30 years. She lives with her husband in an apartment with an incredible view out to sea. Can you see that better now? Uh, we can see the sky. Go down a bit, down a bit, down a bit. Oh, look at that. That's kind of deep water bay, repulse bay. Can you see that? I've been on a junk. Where have I been on a junk? Somewhere out there. Uh, you'd have gone on it at Aberdeen, which is right there. Aberdeen, it was Aberdeen, yeah. And then you'd have probably gone across to Deepwater Bay. 
Hong Kong is a breathtaking and modern city in many ways, full of skyscrapers and, as I know myself, fairly full-on nightlife. But it's politically quite complicated, as we've seen recently, and surprisingly conservative when it comes to women's fertility, something Lucy says could be connected to the influence of its Catholic past. So anybody in Hong Kong, in order to access fertility treatment of any kind, you have to show your marriage certificate. In fact, the only exception is egg freezing. You can have them frozen, but you cannot have them fertilised. Do you have a lot of patients, therefore, who come to you and say, you know, I'm 30-something, single, and I want to freeze my eggs, I live in Hong Kong. Um, what what do you advise they do? Um, just to give you a perspective, I'm a, I'm a private obstetrician and gynaecologist, so the majority mm. of my patients have access to means. And like most women in the world, what they don't have access to is at all sensible men willing to <laughs> procreate at a reasonable age. So yeah, same problem in Britain, I'd say. Yeah, same problem. We've got yeah, the same problem world here. over, global, <laughs> global cities, no decent men. So usually, you know, in abject kind of uh, misery, aged 35, they've given up trawling the bars in Lang Kwai Fong for something mm. with an IQ in double figures a sense of humour and, you know, a, a decent moral compass. And, of course, having right. come up with nothing, they're often presenting and lamenting their single and childless state, in which case, mm-hmm. you know, we, we used to not be able to really offer very much other than the usual condolences, woman to woman. <laughs> but what we can do now is say, look, rather than, you know, just crack, and settle for some complete idiot. Why don't you freeze your eggs and see if, you know, things improve in the next 10 years? Dr Lucy is hilarious, but as she pointed out, the women who come to see her are typically pretty affluent, and that means, pandemic permitting, they're often able to get around Hong Kong's fertility rules by travelling to other countries. If you have access to means, you usually have access to travel. Things have changed a bit because of covid we're hoping that's not going to last too long. Um, and so mm. we normally say if you, wherever you feel more comfortable, that has a much more permissive regime, um, we would advise you to go there. There is also places that are a lot cheaper. Right. So, so it's like egg freezing tourism. Is, there a, is there a big sort of trade in that in Hong Kong? No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say big, but our advice is it, certainly if you're American and you want your eggs frozen, you know, do it in New York. You know, if you're English, do it in London, because both of those regulatory environments and the science, it's cheaper, better regulated in terms of the law is much more on your side. And it is likely you're always going to have access to them. Okay, so can I then ask about China? Because I think in China, if you're single and unmarried, you can't even freeze your eggs, right? I think that is true. So in the context of we're, you know, we've relatively recently come out of the one child policy. Mm-hmm. So fertility was not really a, something that was treated because obviously what politically they were treating was over fertility. Right. So fertility is still a little bit behind, certainly for the vast majority of uh, Chinese. Um, obviously, if you're very wealthy, you've again you've got access to some of the hospitals that do mm. fertility work. Um, 
but as a percentage of the population that have access to fertility treatment, I, I would suspect it's very low. I also read that in uh, actually of all places in Wuhan, apparently there is a hospital where single Chinese women can go to potentially freeze their eggs on the black market. Does that sound like something that might happen to you? Extremely likely. I was particularly interested in China because in December 2019, a 31-year-old woman called Teresa Su launched a case against the Beijing hospital which refused to freeze her eggs on the basis she was unmarried. And unmarried women cannot freeze their eggs in China. That case is still ongoing. But I was interested to know whether Dr Lucy believed the law would change in Hong Kong anytime soon. So every two or three years, our clinic is examined by the Fertility Council. Okay. And every year, I, <laughs> they try and grill our, well, they try and grill me about, you know, various things that we do in our practice. And it's a kind of face-off because I try and grill them about when they're going to change their rules for all my lesbians. <laughs> of course, lesbians oh, are... Because they're not married. Because they're not married. Um, so they don't really like me asking the question, but I go, <laughs> I've got lots of lesbians who are desperate to get pregnant. And mm. they also tell me that you didn't consult with the LGBT community before you brought out this rule. Um, mm. When are you going to review the rule? And the answer is, is well, well, we did phone them up to tell them that we were doing this rule. <laughs> and that was the extent of the consultation. All right. So sadly, you can't see the law changing anytime soon in your part of the world, Hong Kong and or China. I think likely, if I had to guess, I would say China will change quicker than Hong Kong. Oh, really? Our government is quite stick in the mud about changes in fertility rules. Right. They quite like lesbians, but they don't want them having babies. Right. Okay. It all sounds pretty 1950s to me. Dr. Lord mentioned earlier sending patients to London and New York for the treatment, but I'd also heard that this industry is booming in other parts of the world. I also read, is Thailand a growing area, like a growing country yes. for, for women to go to? So they've got quite a growing fertility industry. They've got some good units. They're very cheap. Um, there are worries about regulation and clinical governance and some of the science, but there are some groups that seem to be very good. And we do, mm-hmm. um, we, we try to only send people to places that we can verify more easily because of the transparency and because we understand better the regulatory framework around the fertility clinics so which is why we tend to stick with europe the us australia and the uk Mm. okay safe bet but we do if people are desperate and go look we just can't get there can't afford it um we do have a few clinics that we recommend but the proviso is we cannot there's no transparency we cannot credential them we can only say that we have had patients that walked out with a baby or you know, have their eggs frozen. Although I presume the price discrepancy between, say, what would a round of egg freezing in Thailand cost, you know? I would say probably about a third of what it would cost in Hong Kong or US. Right. What is it, what is it in Hong Kong, actually? What's one round, roughly, in, in say, pounds? Um, I think it would be more like seventy or 80,000 Hong Kong, which is about seven or eight thousand pounds. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. The fact that different clinics have different stats for their success rates can really throw you when choosing. Your head basically spins with numbers. I cannot imagine how stressful it would be on top of that to have to choose a clinic abroad and leave your eggs there afterwards. And just like Dr. Lord's Hong Kong patients jetting off to Thailand, I'd heard that American women often head to Mexico for margaritas and cheap sombreros. Just kidding. I mean for egg freezing. I mean, it's probably a, a sexy story for people to read online. Oh, women are going to Mexico. That's really interesting. But the reality is no one's going to Mexico to freeze their eggs. No, that's not happening. This is Dr. Amy Avazadeh blithely refuting the tabloid star headlines that I'd read previously. She's a fertility specialist based in California. But do you see, I spoke to a Taiwanese friend of mine in Taipei recently who said that she's got a number of girlfriends who come from Asia to America. I mean, I think because America is the, is the world leader in, in, in egg freezing. Do you see that much on the uh, West Coast? Absolutely. I have patients, a lot of patients I've had several that come in from Singapore, from China, from Taiwan. Yeah. Yes, that, that definitely is a trend. Dr. Amy is also known as the Egg Whisperer, a nickname she picked up while working with a client who was having IVF. So I had a patient, she had been trying for years and she was ready to give up. And I didn't let her. I said, this last cycle wasn't the cycle that we go out in. You know, she wasn't pregnant and she was done. And I said, no, I just have a feeling we have a better cycle in our future. We went for it. Mm -hmm. I transferred two embryos and she ended up with the most beautiful twins who are now almost five years old. And Ah. as a gift to me, she bought the URL eggwhisper.com and said, you are my egg whisperer. This is for you. I love that. Yeah. And I was like, hmm, I don't know what I'm going to do with this, but that's pretty awesome. It was super cute. And then all of a sudden I started throwing these egg freezing parties, not all of a sudden, Mm. but you know, I came up with this concept of egg freezing party and I started throwing them and she actually attended one of my egg freezing parties. And she told one of the reporters, that's my egg whisperer. And then the next headline, the next day was egg whisperer throwing egg freezing parties. Egg freezing parties was something American writer Renique Allen Lanfair mentioned in episode two. 
These parties seem to be modelled on the so-called Tupperware parties of the 1950s and 60s, when homemakers would host their friends, get a bit pissed, and splash out on some plastic boxes for leftover... I don't know what they ate then. Leftover shepherd's pie? Since Renequa mentioned it, I had been desperate to find out more about what seems to be a very American phenomenon. You mentioned your egg freezing parties and you in, you invented the concept, is that right? That's right. And, and, and can you just explain, I mean, what, what is it? I'm thinking cakes that look like eggs. I'm thinking, mm-hmm. you know, balloons and streamers. What, what happens at an egg freezing party? What are they? Well, basically, it came out of the home shopping party concept. So I would go to these mm-hmm. parties because my friends would invite me and people would come up to me and tell me their fertility stories and ask me questions. And I'm like, why am I here? Like, I need to be doing this as a thing for women because clearly the word is not out that age is the most reliable predictor of egg quality. Mm -hmm. So then the egg freezing party concept came out and it's basically a scientific lecture, real talk basically from me, Mm-hmm. giving people information that's not intimidating, not scary about what is a medical procedure that has risks so that they can now start their conversation, the conversation with their doctor, or they could choose me as the doctor, but I didn't throw egg freezing parties so I could freeze people's eggs. My goal is for every woman to know how they can get their eggs frozen. Cause if you know that at an early age, then you understand human biology, you mm-hmm. understand about egg quality, you understand that your fertility is precious. I joke and I say, I want every woman to know that she can get their eggs frozen, just like she knows she can go and get her boobs done. Right. Because I have people that (laughs) say to me, like, what 30-year-old is going to have this kind of money to freeze their eggs? And I'm like, do you know how many 30-year-olds get their boobs done? They find a way. So if it was important for them to get their boobs done, don't underestimate the importance for them to have a family. So it's less about sort of trying to sell cycles of egg freezing and more about just informing women. That's correct. My parties, there's no right. selling. No one's there with an iPad trying to sign you up and giving you a discount. Okay. It is only about education. Dr. Amy is brilliant, but I never quite believe someone when they say there's no selling. That is precisely how you end up spending 100 quid on a full haircut and makeover from a nice woman who just wanted to stop you for a chat on Oxford Street. What's the average age of the kind of woman who comes to an egg freezing party? Because in my head, I have this theory that You guys in America are much more forward thinking about this stuff than we are. And I know I've watched a video of yours in which you talk about millennials thinking about this, which is a lot earlier. You know, the average age in the UK for a woman to freeze her eggs is 38. Is it much Mm -hmm. younger, the women who are coming to your egg freezing parties and also therefore coming to you to freeze their eggs? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, in the beginning, when I started these conversations with people, it was, well, I'm only going to freeze my eggs once my levels start showing that, you know, my eggs are running out. Mm-hmm. And finally, word is out that that is not the time that you do it. The time to do it is for most people by the time you're 32, but egg freezing is for women, even in their forties, some women do still have a chance in their forties. So, mm. so that's really important for people to know. But now I have women as young as 22, 23 coming to the parties with their mothers. Their mothers ah. have found me online and they're grabbing <laughs> their daughter and they're coming to the party. I'm very ready to be swept along by everything Dr. Amy says. Yes, freezing is great. But you have to remember that egg freezing is fundamentally a business and its end goal, as well as preserving fertility, is also to make money. I'm super uncomfortable with the idea that clinics might push freezing on women when they don't actually need it. So I asked Amy how she would respond if anyone ever accused her of that. The thing is that every woman becomes infertile in her life 100% of the time. Mm -hmm. So to say she might not need it, 
sure. I don't want my patients to need their eggs. I always tell them that. Like I did a consult yeah. yesterday, 34 years old. She wants three kids. And I said, well, in order for you to have three kids, you have to realize that by the time you're going to start getting pregnant with your third, you're at that point where you may not have any healthy eggs left. So you might want to consider egg freezing or embryo freezing with your husband. And so I'm not freezing eggs because I want patients to use them. I'm freezing eggs so people don't regret freezing eggs when they still have them. 100% of my patients over 40 wish they had frozen their eggs. They wish they had attended one of my parties. Yeah. No one says, oh, I can't wait until I'm 40 and then I'm going to spend $200,000 on six IVF cycles and not get a single egg. I shouldn't have frozen my eggs when I was 32. No, that's not how it works. They all say, my God, why didn't I listen to myself? I was listening to my mother who told me it can cause cancer because of something she read online or my boyfriend who, who was criticizing me over this decision. You know, we have to be true to ourselves. Mm -hmm. You only get one life to live and you just got to go do what you feel is right for you. Talk to a doctor, have these conversations early. According to Dr. Amy, one of the big factors in the growing popularity of egg freezing is the Kardashians the reality TV clan America and the rest of the world loves to hate. Kim talked about egg freezing. Courtney talked about egg freezing. Chloe talked about egg freezing. Mm. And now the debate of, you know, I had a child with my ex-boyfriend. Now should I use his sperm again? You know, that's part of the conversation as to what women should do. Mm. And so I think that gets people to think about it. And I think that's really great. I mean, that's why I do my YouTube show, my Tidley show that has like 15,000 followers and they have like 150 million followers. <laughs> you know, I can't reach people the way they can, mm. but certainly they, they start the conversation for people in their heads and then I continue it and give them the real facts. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So if you had young women therefore coming to you saying, I've sort of been inspired, I've watched the show, tell me more about it. Mm -hmm. Wow. Oh, absolutely. I absolutely have. Or they say, oh, Kim had this pregnancy complication. How do I know I won't have it? You know, mm -hmm. and I'm like, really? You watched that show? And I'm like, <laughs> I do too. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> everyone does, or a lot of people do. No judgment about bad TV, please, everyone. We've been in lockdown. I think out of everyone I've spoken to so far, Dr. Amy is probably the most emphatic in her support for freezing. Realistically, of course, it's not for everyone, for plenty of reasons, but especially because of the cost. You can sometimes mitigate the price via an egg sharing programme, where you get your eggs frozen for free or at a massive discount if you donate half of them to the clinic to be used by other women seeking fertility treatment. I delve further into egg donation later in the series, so listen out for that. And how many of these women are taking advantage of your freeze and share programme, which is, you know, for young women who might not be able to afford it, they can come to you and you will freeze their eggs and then they donate half to other half their eggs right to other women is that right yes i'd like it to be more popular i actually have um one one woman who went through it they're, they're going to film her for um nova series for pbs and i'm super excited about that because i feel like her sharing her story and the great experience she had by donating her eggs for another family and freezing her own that will really help young women learn more about also fertility and what they can do to give to another couple at the same time, having their eggs frozen for themselves without having to pay anything. Mm. So it hopefully removes that financial barrier, but it's very important that people know that this is a high touch process. It's about matching people, making sure the donor feels very comfortable with where her eggs are going. Right. Yeah. All legal stuff is done. Psych stuff, genetic screens, very comprehensive screens, I should say are done ahead of time. These screenings mean that some women will not be eligible for egg sharing programs, 
Generally, you need to be 35 or under and in very good health. I was also curious to ask Dr Amy about how the egg freezing protocols might differ between the US and the UK. Someone told me that in America, they, you guys tend to use higher levels of drugs and therefore you get higher numbers of eggs per cycle. Is there any truth to that? Do you know? Yeah, I mean, I think that every woman wants every single egg that she can potentially get in the healthiest way possible. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if I have someone who has 60 follicles, I don't want 60 eggs. I want about 15 that will give her a really good experience, prevent her from having severe OHSS. And depending on her age, if someone has that many eggs, the likelihood of those eggs being healthy will be quite high. So do you see women with 60 follicles then? Does that happen? Because that's more than I've ever heard of. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you're cycling someone who's, let's say, 22, 23 years old, you have to be very experienced and know how to take care of a patient like that Mm -hmm. so that they are very safe and don't have complications like severe OHSS. Mm -hmm. Um, So that is possible. OHSS has come up a couple of times before on this podcast. It stands for ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome and can be a rare side effect of having fertility treatment. More on that later in this series too. And even though I'd already started my injections, I thought it might be worth checking out what advice Dr. Amy had for me. She is the egg whisperer after all. You, I think I read, are a big fan of supplements before freezing or before cycles. Is that true? I want every single woman, if she wants kids and hasn't had or finished her family, to take CoQ10. I think it is a great supplement. In animal studies, it might prolong fertility. It might help with the quality of eggs you have when you're, let's say, in your 40s. -hmm. We don't know in human studies yet, you know, but there are certainly so many women that I'd love to follow. I tell them when I meet them at the egg freezing party, start CoQ10 now, you guys. So yes, I absolutely do think that supplements can help. So CoQ10 is the specific specific thing that you recommend most of all? That's right. And what does that do specifically? It's to do with the energy of the cells. Is that true? Absolutely. Oh, I got it right. Great. No, (laughs) you got it right. I mean, CoQ10 levels start to decline at the age of 30. And that's when you start to see chromosomal abnormalities rise in our eggs and embryos. Mm -hmm. So it's like, we should have better treatments for women than freezing their eggs and using donor eggs when they've run out of them. You know mm-hmm. I mean? Like, come on, it's 2020. We can send a, a man to Mars or whatever. <laughs> it's like, we can Nearly. do better for women, but we haven't yet. And so until then we have to do these kinds of things and supplements, I think in some women and probably in a lot of them can help. And what other lifestyle factors do you recommend? I feel like you guys Californians might be more sensible than Brits. Yeah, plant-based diet, protein in the form of fish, avoid red meat, drinking in moderation, no THC, cold turkey, moderate alcohol. Hang on, what's THC? Marijuana. Oh, right. Okay, sorry. <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah. That no makes sense. marijuana, no, yeah, no cigarette smoking, and a healthy BMI. Exercising most days of the week. Okay, what about caffeine? Did you mention that? Caffeine, totally safe. There's no reason to stop drinking coffee. No way I stopped coffee because I was so paranoid. There's no reason. I'm sorry. Go back. Have a cup this morning. It's okay. Oh, I wish I hadn't realized that. Yeah. I mean, when you're on these drugs, you're so tired. It's great for your mood. It's great for your bowel movements because constipation is certainly a side effect. So Mm -hmm. that's why I tell patients, keep drinking your coffee (laughs) if you want to. Don't get bunged up. It's funny how little details and bits of advice can change between practitioners. In episode one, Fertility expert Zeta West advised me to drink as little coffee as possible, which I've been sticking to religiously at the expense of my poor old digestive system. But before you go out and nail four double espressos, I just want to re-emphasize, in case you've forgotten, that I'm in no way a doctor 
And the information in this podcast is not medical advice. Please always ask your fertility doctor if you have any questions. One final thing. Um, how many companies in the US now offer egg freezing as part of their health benefits? Is that a very growing trend? Absolutely. Well, I should say maybe with COVID, there's some people that are out there saying potentially the fertility benefits are going to be taken away mm -hmm. because they're so expensive for these companies to keep. So maybe we'll see that on a decline for a little while and then yeah. go back up. But yeah, before coronavirus or COVID-19, I did see that as a growing trend. So you get women coming to you saying my, my work is going to cover this basically. Right. And the thing is this, even when it's a hundred percent free for a woman, people still aren't freezing their eggs. So what that tells you is that people are thinking about it. People are saying, here, go get freeze your eggs for free. And 100% aren't doing it. Yeah. You know, if you look at the people who have the benefit, I would imagine maybe 10% are actually doing it. Wow. And you think it should be 100? I mean, you tell every woman to do it. I don't think it should be 100. I think that you have to, you know, I have, I call them the egg whisperer golden rules, right? Okay. So everyone should get their fertility levels checked by the time they're 25. If they've had an ovary removed, if they have a history of endometriosis, so their mom used IVF, they should get their levels checked even by the time they're 20 or 21. Mm -hmm. You should have your eggs frozen by 25. If you're one of those people that I just discussed at 20, if let's say your mom used IVF had early menopause, endometriosis, ovary removed, you know, if you're in one of those categories, yeah. if let's say you're 32 years old, for example, and you want two kids and don't have one already, think about freezing your eggs, getting your levels checked. Okay. Mm -hmm. If you're 37 and have a child and want two kids, just go right to IVF. Wow. Okay. Forget freezing. Just get on with it. Well, think about it, right? So just think about freezing embryos or freezing eggs and maybe trying naturally. But most people, for example, in the Bay Area, they want to finish their education, meet the right guy, not make their decision based on their biological clock. Mm -hmm. So what I also predict is that egg freezing is going to drive down the marriage rate and the divorce rate. I'm all for that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think probably the next generation, you'll see more than 50% not getting married and realizing I don't need a man to have a kid anymore either. And I'm really trying to educate as many people as possible um, about that mm. because, you know, getting married and having a divorce and fighting over custody will shorten your life. <laughs> For sure. It's really stressful. Yeah. I so agree with that. I mean, that's why, you know, I'm trying to say with this podcast, you know, don't feel like you've got to marry your terrible boyfriend. You know, there are other options. You can do this. Exactly. Mm. Amen. And I want people to really think long and hard about creating families with people that are not the right people yeah. before they do that. You're probably sick of hearing this by now, but talking to Dr. Amy and Dr. Lord makes me even more grateful to be in the UK in the same country as my eggs and not having to travel for freezing or have someone sell it to me while I clutch a warm glass of Chardonnay. Talking of wine, back in London, it was a Friday evening and I was finally getting over the fatigue that had been dogging me for the first few days of injections. So day, it'll be day five of injections tonight. I feel way better. It's another Friday where I've woken up feeling more like me after two days of feeling pretty horrendous and just fatigued and like my brain or my head was stuffed with cotton wool in the past couple of days. I found it really hard to concentrate or do any work. It's still, it's the day after the hottest day of the year. I don't know if you can hear in the background, I'm actually running essentially what's going to be a sort of cool bath, cold bath to get into because I'm incredibly hot. So no, much better today, much happier, less exhausted. I've read in some forums that this happens, that you start taking, you know, a form of drug, whatever form of drug you happen to, fertility drug you happen to be on. 
and and your body is immediately sort of knocked by it and then within a couple of days it settles down again and it learns how to to deal with it so maybe that's what happened who knows or it's just friday feeling i don't know but um luckily i'm feeling much better that night my sweaty fingers grappled with the needle once again okay 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 right pinch the fat oh that's really sore oh it's doing what it did last night it won't go in that bit I'm going to move across. It won't go in that bit either. I don't know why bits of my stomach have kind of gone hard. Let's try there. Oh, there we go. Oh, fourth time lucky that was. Climbing. Plunging. Hit the bottom. One, two, three, four, five. Out it comes. Oh, fifth one done. Uh, tomorrow morning, I am getting up early and going to hospital for my first scan since I started all this. The first of four scans over the next week. So I'm hoping that it's going to tell me they can see loads of eggs developing nicely. I haven't felt any twinges. I've read stuff on the forums, which I know are unhelpful to look at. Um, but I've read stuff on the forum saying that if you feel twinges, it's a good thing because it means that stuff is happening. I haven't really. I mean, I've felt a couple of twinges. I've had like vague period pains, but not. It hasn't been that bad. I've just been more headachey actually today. Uh, so hopefully there are some eggs growing. Um, anyway, all will be revealed tomorrow morning at nine o'clock. Five minutes after doing that injection, I have actually now got period pains, which is interesting. I mean, God knows what that means. Anyway, period pains have started. Maybe that means loads of eggs are there. In the next episode, the hormones turn me into a ripe perv in the local park, and I get a big reality check speaking to two women who froze their eggs and didn't end up with a baby from them. I just felt that I'd been given this false hope. And I just remember saying, I've got nothing. Like, really, I've got nothing after all that. Freezing Time was produced and written by Hannah Varrell and Sophia Money-Coots and created by Offscript. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. 